0: Everybody, it's Adam Shartoff, your host of FilmWax Radio. It is Friday, April 2nd, 2021, and this is episode number 662. And I am thrilled that my guest on this episode is the singer, musician, songwriter, performer, uh recording artist, Matthew Sweet, who I I've seen perform live in the past and who I've always enjoyed going back to the uh '90s and his album Girlfriend, and then the subsequent albums, 100% Fun in Reverse, a bunch of great albums, he, and I just really dig him. And he's released a brand new album called Cat's Paw. Even though this was recorded well before the pandemic, he he basically made this album all on his own, a la like Paul McCartney or somebody like that who loves to do all of the parts. The only thing he didn't do was the drums, but he even I think mixed this, mixed it and everything right at home. Anyway, it was a thrill to reach out to Matthew's people and for them to get right back and and help set this up. I was very, very happy about that and very, very grateful. And he couldn't have been nicer and just more fun to talk to. 100% fun. So right now you can go to matthewsweet.com. You can, uh, uh, I'm not going to talk about Matthew in great detail other than he's been doing this for like 30 something years. He's in Nebraska when we we, uh, did the show. I was in, of course, in New York. And, you know, we talk about his career. We talk about he's he's he was wide open about it uh just willing to talk about anything that came up and so i'm very very thrilled and and again grateful to to uh matthew as well for just being i don't know open to a conversation you know these guys over the years talk to so many people so it's really great when something works out like this so and you know even though this is Essentially a film podcast that I love bringing on musicians. If, if you're a regular listener, you know that that's like one of my favorite things. And I'm, uh, I, I will continue to bring on musicians that I have a special affection for. And I will put Matthew Sweet in that category. Absolutely. Again, the name of the new album is called Cat's Paw. And it's out right now. You can get it easily or download it, whatever. Uh, there will be no outro on this episode. So, here, without any further delay, is musician Matthew Sweet here on Filmwax Radio. Can you hear me? <laughs> sure can. How are you?
1: That was so weird. It kind of just came on very quietly. It did. I'm trying to. It uh bodes well. I'm trying to minimize my. Uh, can, uh, you bright, up, can, you can you clean up, Matthew?
0: Bright <laughs> light. I really can can't. Come on. This is
1: as good as it's gonna get. It doesn't show cat hair too bad, which is good because this thing is covered in cat hair.
0: No, Yo, no, you can't see it. Bye. Please Bye. please
1: excuse my uh, my hoarseness um, and also having to postpone so much. I, uh, go figure, got a head cold last week, and I decided I was well enough by Monday to get my... And I got really sick from it, <laughs> so I'm just, just now kind of starting
0: was it the one shot or was it the two the first of two
1: and uh mostly they uh are you are you getting me okay i just uh, got it it
0: seems like it froze a couple of times for a yeah, second yeah it
1: says internet is unstable which is i've never seen before oh interesting here. that's kind of weird um well if we have another problem um i'll try you back is right. it still still freezing or is it okay
0: not since we started talking about it no okay
1: okay any (laughs) anyhow uh one way that the first shot i guess is you get bad symptoms is if you had covid already Ah. so it's possible i had it but
0: who knows i agree i i'm paranoid I, i i had the chills last night out of nowhere and uh I woke up very tired. I mean, I didn't feel like refreshed when I woke up, so I ended up taking another. But typically, I've been very fine. uh, Been fine, and then except for last night, and then also like about four or five days ago, um, I got a temperature for a few hours. Of course, everybody thinks I contracted COVID. Yeah, it went away this like hours later, and it. So my friend, one of my friends, said, "Oh, you probably had food poisoning." Well, like a, maybe a very mild case of food poisoning. That's a thought. And I think he was right. I kind of know the call. I think I I think I may have known the culprit. So yeah. But it's very unusual to get something like to get a fever and then it to end the same day. Yeah. Like you yeah, know, you I guys. got that on uh
1: Monday and Tuesday after I got the shot. I but it was <clears throat> never over like a hundred. It was mostly ninety-nine five and a little above right. that. So
0: but it doesn't take much, right? To your to make you feel lousy.
1: Well, apparently it's a good sign of immune response, but uh boy, it, it if that's what the vaccine is like, <laughs> COVID <laughs> could be really bad because I felt really terrible. Just yeah. super bad uh body aches and joint aches and fatigue and yeah. fever. I just got sort of everything. It was really weird. And it went right through Tuesday. And then yesterday, I started to mostly feel better. So
0: well, that's good. So you're feeling more or less yourself today?
1: Yeah, my voice is weird. That's the other thing that happened in the 24 hours after I got the shot. Actually, the cold I had didn't make my voice like this. I was just super stuffed up. But after I got the shot, I almost entirely lost my voice. On Monday, which is super weird. And I wasn't even like talking or anything.
0: <laughs> so, because uh, you, you know, you're supposed to do like four or five songs live, right? No,
1: <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm
0: kidding. no, as a matter of fact, I, I, the inspiration for me to reach out, well, there's two. One has been, you know, a huge fan for years. So, oh, thank that. you. Sure. And then the other thing is, is I saw you do one of those you know, I guess it's sort of a form of torture where an artist, in order to remain connected with their community, their fan base, right, has to do these home concerts. Otherwise, you know, you risk, I guess, uh, everything. I don't know. But it's such a a headache. I I haven't heard of anybody who hasn't gone through real pains getting it to work. um, Yeah. Without, like, like, you know, just... A struggle you know. well
1: I, you know i'm not normally on facebook and it it's unbelievably convoluted <laughs> like it really is so weird and a lot of the problems we had were with it suddenly wanting other authorizations and
0: right. not
1: letting me get on Uh but now i think i know everything to do i can kind of do it on my own
0: is there a delay have you experienced that part? Uh, there's a huge delay. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's also a little bit right, right? Yeah. It's right. It's like 15 seconds or something. Yeah, it's really, really yeah.
1: long. I was surprised yeah. they didn't have a faster right. uh, turnaround time <laughs> of
0: streaming. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'm
1: just getting a drink of water.
0: Sure, sure. Um, let's get off the right from the start. All right. I picked up my copy. Okay. Um. And we let's let's start talking about it from the top. So, for my listeners, will stop listening or watch it. You know, like <laughs> ten minutes they'll they'll. So you know how there's a drop off. Like if I don't get so, I really do want to make a promote and help get them. it in there quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and then we should anyway. <laughs> so that way, you know, um, I think it's just a good idea. Um, so first of all, people will. uh, no, uh, may may know or may find out that that you record is almost entirely by yourself produced, recorded, uh, mixed. The only exception being your drummer.
1: That's right. Rick Mank, my right. longtime friend, came down and played some drums, and we recorded Fair? it mostly. Yeah, at my house in. in uh, yeah, he lives in Minneapolis now, so it's a really super quick flight for him to come down and we did it in 2019 so, so
0: without any knowledge that no we might you if anybody wants to make an album in the next year two or three it might be by yourself also so but you were doing it as a choice
1: yeah it was just this weird coincidence and it was mastered right before uh the pandemic hit i mean right before to the point where i remember i wrote uh I wrote a note to Bob Ludwig, uh, who mastered it, a great old friend of mine. who mastered Girlfriend and a lot of stuff, and he, he. I remember he wrote me back, and he's like, "Sounds like this virus thing is like, we better watch out." <laughs> you know, right? And I remember that really well because it was the first time anyone said anything to me about the virus. You know,
0: yeah. So uh, it was and, just and, getting
1: and, on radar, right? And in fact,
0: you know, so far back that we 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 kind of refer to it as that virus thing <laughs> yeah, yeah what we didn't have a language for all what you know
1: yeah no like I that. know um, oh. it's just kind of amazing and uh, and yeah the album itself is in a way such a solitary uh, yes approach that it weirdly kind of goes with the pandemic but I really didn't work. Kind of at all during 2020 in terms of doing anything new. Like I was glad I had my album in the can. And really, right. what yeah. we did is hooked up with Omnivore and sort of did the artwork and, and, you know, got it ready to come out this January. So that was sort of the bright, bright spot of, <laughs> of my 2020 was knowing well, I put my little album had, out.
0: You've had the entire span of this pandemic in, in a way to look forward you'd be able to work on this project the post-production aspects of making an album right and then to get it out in the world so in a way it's kind of a. it must have given you something to kind of hold on to during this otherwise really
1: it kind of did time. it was something that was like you know a happy thoughts instead of just weirdness you know um but i i did a lot of more consuming uh content during 2020 i just watched a billion shows and movies and things like that, which I, I love to do anyway. So uh, it was kind of a great year for absorbing content. A lot of it, I probably couldn't even remember. I watched it, but I kind of right. just had stuff on all the time with various percentages of attention. Sure. You know, some things I watched 70% of the time right. yeah, yeah, <laughs> that they right. would just be running you know <laughs> and some things were like 20 percent of the time it just depends you know
0: um i'm actually started doing something that i even though we're kind of beginning to maybe come out of this period fingers crossed i, I started watching the west wing west wing like just because i i've, I've never, never seen the west
1: wing that's a good one i should watch
0: it's it's on i don't know if you have hbo max but it might i do also- good yeah all of it is there and each episode you know because it's commercial television even though it's an it was an hour show you know that like clearly 25 to 30 percent of the show was commercials yeah so each episode is like barely 40 minutes right yeah so um so it's kind of easy to get through this the the episode but each one is like a movie matthew it's like i i have such um I, i just i'm so glad i can I'm watching it now. Like it's it's very cinematic, Not really yeah, it's high bitter. quality.
1: Yeah. Well, I've heard nothing but great things about it always, and I don't remember seeing it to watch in this last year. But I probably would have been reticent just because politics has been so hideous. Exactly. You know, I don't. I don't think I could
0: have watched it before. Yeah, year. before I, I, just, I would have he found was it. gone. Yeah. Yeah, I I just. The the right before the the name that shan't be named. Yeah, the former
1: guy. As <laughs> yeah, we if you say his name Biden three times, him. got sorry. The Biden calls him the former guy. <laughs>
0: That's a good name. I'm just <laughs> afraid of saying it three times because you know. I'm yeah. Superstitious.
1: Yeah, but. for sure, for sure. I've done a few interviews where uh, I talk about I'm talking about Cat's Paw and I talk about that mastering story I told you. And I'll say, you know, it was just a few days before What's-His-Name completely lied about it.
0: And that gets a laugh sometimes.
1: What's-His-Name.
0: <laughs> What's-His-Name. Um, so you made it by yourself. Um, so what did go into that decision then, if it, since it was, that you made in the summer of 2019, I believe. So that means that obviously, way before that, you were planning on doing this by yourself.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I just had it in my head. It'd be fun to try to play lead myself. Uh And uh, I didn't know if I exactly could or not. You know, I just thought I'll go for it and see what it's like. And it was really, really fun to do. I really enjoyed it. Um, I did have a momentary thought when I was about 13 or something I was a bass player before I did anything else and uh, at the time I sort of had this idea that if I didn't practice for a few weeks or whatever for whatever reason on bass that somehow in my subconscious it would I'd improve even though I wasn't playing just because it was in my head you know just a weird concept. And I remember at that time, I thought, I wonder if when I'm old, I'll be able to play lead guitar. Like it just seems so impossible to do then, uh-huh. you know, I thought maybe uh-huh. if I'd just been around music my whole life, I'd be able to do it. And I wasn't really thinking about that when I had the idea to do it, but I remembered it once I was sort of into the process, I had this just sort of memory of it. And, you know, I could kind of do it. And I just sort of tried not to uh, overwork anything and just kind of go for it and have it be fully improvised and not, you know, perfected. And uh, I would just play through like I would do with a session with another lead guitar player where I'd do two or three or sometimes four takes maybe. And then I'd just kind of go through and pick out the pieces that, I liked. And, uh, it had this effect of kind of gluing the record together. It's a really simple record, um, just bass guitar and drums mostly. So, um, there was a sort of sameness about the instrumentation that maybe isn't totally usual for me, but it seemed to kind of work for what it was. And I didn't know what anyone would think of it, but the, the, uh, reactions been, uh, surprisingly good so i feel like mr and play lead guitar now
0: yeah i don't think uh, i could do
1: i don't think i could do it live i think uh, i'd be too hung up but since i was alone sure and you you just sort of until
0: you got it exactly the way you you forget yeah um what was going to ask you about uh how how do you musically speaking how do you self-identify what do you call yourself like, uh, are you a uh, songwriter or are you a guitar?
1: Yeah, a singer-songwriter, I guess, I that. think, okay. uh, yeah. recording artist. Um, I guess that way, you
0: know. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to hedge head you in in any way, but I'm just kind of curious as you, because I try to think about, uh, so, but you were, typically, you would play uh, rhythm guitars. That's but, correct, yes. Okay, so, okay because
1: wasn't... live that's the, that makes sense right the only thing i can <laughs> do sort of and i was a bass player first and i do yeah. play bass on all my records but uh to be singing the song and having everybody follow along it just seemed like i needed to be playing that rhythm guitar so that's what i've stuck with over many many well, years now this
0: is i have a uh, I have a beautiful uh coincidence here okay uh, I'm sorry to, uh, this just I just noticed where were you today's March 25th 2021 where were you on March 25th 2000 and I think it's 2000 maybe 2000 maybe I got the year wrong so I can't ask you I have to I, I wrote the wrong I might have written the wrong year here but I was going to uh, so it turns out we're talking on the 25th I, I saw you at our Irving Plaza on wow. March 25th now I'm not perhaps positive what year. Maybe it sounds like even 2010 would have been way too recently. I'm going to think. Uh, were we heavy. playing
1: all of Girlfriend? That's a we. You did a tour doing that. Yeah, that might not have started till 2011. I'm no, not no, sure. this was
0: before that. By yeah. the way, there's that too. Yeah, she is from the archives. All right. Um, uh, no, no this ha- uh, i I should look look it up again because I thought I was going to press you, but that that's funny. It's just on today's an anniversary i ha- where I have seen you live Wow, I, you, I lived on the block I lived on it seems
1: like a long time ago it was. Irving it, Plaza
0: is it, it, it was, still going
1: yeah. like is it
0: I'm not sure i'm right now I'm in the Hudson Valley, so I'm north of New York at the time I lived on Fifteenth Street though just around the corner from just down the block from Irving Plaza, so yeah. it was such a a treat to get a ticket to see you. Um, I know you you were, you had the band, so it had to be in the first part. It had to be not long after 20, after 2000. So probably maybe it was 2002 or something like that. Huh. Anyway, I also saw you play with the Thorns because I I happened to work at, at Sony Music and that album came out during my tenure there so i got to see you now that i did write down june 27th 2003 so so maybe this was a few years later i saw you alone but i saw you with the thorns which if people don't know that album that's a that's like kind of an homage almost that project for you guys
1: yeah it really kind of came out of the blue um it wasn't really pre-planned i got a call from my manager and uh pete and and sean uh, Sean were down kind of down the hill from me i was living in los angeles and they were in a studio just kind of writing and my manager's like hey would you go down and write a song with these guys and we wrote this song uh i was really nervous about it because mostly i'd never worked with other people and we wrote this song called uh I can't remember. I can remember that it's called. I can't remember. <laughs> right? And uh, kind of sang it three part harmony. And, and the guy who was, I guess, funding the sessions, who honestly, I can't remember even yeah, who ago. exactly it was, right. came down on like the Friday evening and we'd written that song and we sat and, and sang it for him and played it which was unusual too like i kind of don't think i ever did that after writing a song and on the monday after that they were saying we want you to be a band and have a name and make an album for sony so it was really really fast and then i had all these misgivings about it but we got it together and uh and made the album and it's it's kind of cool that it exists a lot of people liked it we actually sold you know, what today would be a huge amount of that album. It was something like 170,000. We got yeah. a video on CMT and uh, that really helped move some units, but it wasn't enough. They wouldn't uh, agree to let us produce the second album ourselves and the other two guys in particular were like, we won't do it unless we make the money because we, we really got very little money to do it and then we worked a lot touring. We toured uh, Europe and England and Australia with uh, the Dixie Chicks mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, did all this stuff, but we all just became super broke <laughs> over the course of it and they wouldn't agree to it. So the, the uh, just the worst uh, their, uh, uh the contract just uh, lapsed and we never made another one.
0: Well, it's unfortunate. Not, not that it's too late, but you, you know, the thing is, is it's just uh, reminds me just how, horrible big distribution (laughs) it's just as just every aspect of it it's just so selfish and yeah it's so geared just towards a tiny it's almost like the u.s government yeah they really geared it's all really works for this little one percent yeah and everybody else everybody else has to struggle or ends up worse off than they were before they got their record deal it just doesn't seem like and, and you know,
1: they really talked it up to us and promised us sort of the world, sure. You know? Right? They well, took us in there fam. with you know, Donnie Einer, and they were like, You right, know, yep. you're gonna do radio shows and make a hundred grand at every radio show, <laughs> all this stuff. And we were like, Uh, I doubt it, you know, <laughs> yeah. But Fortunately, uh,
0: you did see dollar signs, in but we did
1: almost the- kind of get further, you know. Like, I remember there was this, uh uh VH1 event where it was uh I believe Liz Fair and uh, uh uh what are what are they called the guy from uh American Idol uh oh, God, you oh are you talking um, about the british guy Marine or? 5 I'm oh, trying Maroon, to think oh, of sure, sure. yeah and they were on this bill and this big That's you know strange. special was being filmed um in uh, New York, I want to say maybe at roseland uh-huh. and uh the day of the filming was this huge blackout in New York, and the oh, whole right. thing I was there
0: yeah sure I was yeah in New York and, and
1: so we never we never filmed it, and we had to leave to like go overseas, so I think like the other acts got to do it later, and we ne- <laughs> never did, so it was like it was almost like that was part of our bad fate or something for it
0: uh i'm not being rude i'm i was just i just it was starting to bug me that i didn't know the year that because <laughs> i guess i'm a little ocd too maybe uh i was just looking to see what year it was that i saw you at that irving plaza show but it might my, be my, my, more importantly though it's just this like such a was such a treat that's all you know what i mean it was um to see you get to play uh in such a small venue like that you know that's one thing i do miss about new york yeah is as many as many like so you many know, acts
1: come through yeah
0: yeah everybody's there and you can see them and there's a lot of these venues where you know like the bowery uh ballroom or whatever there's all those uh-huh. you know which are really small and and
1: city winery you know for city the last winery
0: is a wonderful place they've the last
1: many years we've done a lot of many times when we've played two or three nights and mm-hmm. it's like around i want to say 300 or maybe a little more yeah. but they moved it now so I'm, I'm not i think it's probably much bigger
0: yeah they moved it to the pier uh but i don't know like i i'm wondering um what the status of that is they also opened up the something it was really tragic because i'm such a fan of that place that even though i I mostly talked to film folks, although many musicians over the years too, but I had Michael Dorf on because I was just so uh, concerned about, you know, that, that they exist. And he came on and they were literally on the cusp of opening this place up down in the Hudson Valley, like this whole new like spot where there was going to be outdoor shows and, you know, lots of wine, obviously, and food. Yeah, yeah. It it just sounded like such a great, and I think it's open or, or, you know, there it'll, it'll, I'm sure by this summer, it will be uh, in operation. I think they managed to just hang on miraculously.
1: At some point they did one up in uh, Sonoma. And for some reason that one didn't work out. They closed it. I think it's the only one that ever, you know, closed. They, but we play them lots of places, you know, in Atlanta, Nashville,
0: um chicago i wonder how many of those
1: they've got a lot of
0: them they do i was wondering if any of them had to close
1: i don't know i couldn't tell you that it's sure we've had to close
0: (laughs) as far as touring yeah i know that i'm sorry about that and i i wonder what the return are are, would you support this album in the next year if you can start
1: excuse me um well you know the I mean, just the way it's hit, like our agent, you know, he's, he has offices in California, Texas, New York and a bunch of staff and they had to lay a whole bunch of people off. Yeah. And, you know, I know he was just like going, what do I, you know, am I going to retire before I, I blow what money I have trying to keep it alive, you know? And from, uh, from talking to him and talking to my manager, um, you know, it looks like in the start, we really won't be able to put together strings of dates at first. It's going to be like one-offs. They may have to be duo or trio shows and not full rock shows, and they'll be kind of sporadic. And then as things open up more You know, we hope to, you know, the way we build tours, we get a couple dates that are like a festival or a big city where we get a really good uh, guarantee and then we can kind of build smaller shows going between them everywhere. But I get the sense that's not even going to happen by the end of this year. I think it'll be more like next year.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. Maybe some Um, stuff, a few things this fall it also depends how i guess the next the next fall i mean especially in areas like uh up here where you know where we have real winter like what how we how we're doing next yeah fall yeah because for sure we're we're hoping we're out of the woods but until we know i know i know and on, uh, people have see. to get back and
1: the venues have to survive you know yeah, and i know right um i don't even know how many of them will still be active or not i know in the most recent stimulus i think uh amy klobuchar got some uh, a thing in it that's called save our stages and it's supposed Mm -hmm. to help music venues Mm -hmm. but i mean you know just everybody's you know been devastated by it so i'm just uh, you know i think about just keep recording no matter what and uh you know go from there
0: do you, are you able to, um, is it, do you make, are you able to make a living off of uh, publishing? Uh, not exactly. Um, Merchandising? No, right? Not really. Not really. I mean,
1: only yeah. touring Sorry. is really the main It is right. way we yeah. make money. Sure. I do get some, uh, you know, streaming uh, mm. stuff, uh, some publishing. I think I may be recouped again. I've never left. I've been with Sony since it was CBS songs in the mid 80s. And for a long time, I was recouped. And three or four years ago, they gave me actually gave me an advance, which is like I hadn't gotten in a long time. And uh, so for a while, I wasn't getting uh, uh, publishing payments. But we think I might be recouped again. We're sort of trying to work on that. And of course, the The brass has changed again, you know, over the last couple of years. Yeah. So they're still kind of trying to uh, figure that out. But, Mm. you know, I get little chunks of money through the year. um, And, you know, those are barely keeping us going. The Facebook things, you know, people tip on them. Exactly. and right. that's sort
0: of a virtual that can job. be
1: you know help me pay a month's bills and stuff sure, so of course. Right. so you know it, it's not bad
0: yeah no absolutely i understand why it's it's really is necessary and also the you know people like me uh it's an opportunity is it the uh, remotely the same kind of experience as seeing you in person no but it it'll do yeah so yeah. it's kind of works both, both yeah you ways. wonder like.
1: You've gotta think this kind of thing is gonna take over a lot for in person, even when the pandemic's over, I think. Yeah. Right. It's just now that people have done it virtually, it's just uh another tool, you know, in the
0: in the arsenal sort of. Mm-hmm. Um you're in Nebraska, you're in Omaha. That's correct. Yeah. What what uh how far back it looks like you've been there settled in for quite some time. Yeah
1: we we came <laughs> in I want to say the twenty end of 2013 or 2014. I don't have it exactly in my head. So you know we've been here at least six going on seven years and we both grew up in Nebraska my wife and I. Mm-hmm. She grew up in the western end of the state in Scotts Bluff. I grew up in Lincoln which is about Lincoln, 50 miles away from Omaha and we chose Omaha because there was the biggest airport is here and it was the easiest place for me to be able to tour out of Um, but we both have a lot of family in Nebraska and we'd been in LA you know over 20 years and um, we bought a house there and it really went up in value for a long time then we had the big crash uh, right before uh, Barack Obama was elected and so we'd kind of been waiting years for the value to kind of go back up and we just hit this point where we thought we're kind of sick of being in a giant city we we didn't have it in our heads oh we're going to move to Nebraska we just we're going to go somewhere and we kind of thought of all these different places but we didn't really know anyone in any of them, you know? Yeah, and we no, didn't want to be in true. a really giant city. So we thought, well, maybe we should go where we have some family. And, you know, my brother's uh, has a big family with three daughters. We don't have any kids. My sister has two kids. So it's kind of like uh, we've reunited with our siblings and that's been pretty cool. It, it's really oh, that is been worth it kind of, you know, to have that grounding of, knowing my family again after years of, I mean, we always saw each other over the years and we're in touch, but, um, to be able to be around and hang out, I was here for both of my parents passing away, which was great not to be gone and feel disconnected with that. I think that would have been really weird. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of glad. I was glad I made it here for that. Um, and, uh, it connects me a little bit to when I first started doing music. You know, I kind of never could remember very well, sort of my childhood (laughs) over uh, the years. I had this kind of weird thing where I couldn't remember it as well as like most people could seem to remember really specific stuff. Sure, And and a lot has come back to me since I've lived here again and kind of uh, gave me I just feel more sort of roots than I felt, you know, for a long time. So we've really liked being here. And we, you know, bought our, we sold our place in LA and then we bought our place here outright. So it was, wow. you know, a miracle. We did it when we did, because, you know, I don't know what we'd be doing if we had a mortgage. I mean, it's bad enough having property taxes. So the house is kind of our nest egg, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um yeah well and i'm sure you got a much much more for your bang for your buck too by the way yeah yeah
1: we could we could for not as much get a
0: really cool place yeah yeah um well uh, you say you started so you started off as a bass player right yeah and then uh you were playing in like a local band was you're still in was this before you went to Athens or is this, Yes. Yeah. This would be
1: home. from about age 13. I started playing in bands. I played with a band of guys who were in college. Really? Um called the Specs.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And uh they we were like a kind of new wave cover band, and we played, you know, college parties and proms. And you were thirteen? And I was 13 at first. I think I did it till I was about probably 16 or so with them. And then, you know, did a little bit of stuff on my own after that. And uh, I, there was this club that was the rock club in Lincoln called the Drumstick. And uh, I uh, went there to see REM when they were only had their 45 self-made 45 on hib tone which i'd ordered out of new york rocker and uh so i kind of got them to sign my record and they were like wow some guy in nebraska has our record you know and (laughs) so they came back a couple times over the course of which they did a deal with irs they you know the next year they put out uh, i think it's chronic town which is the kind of ep and then they're like, we're making an album. you know? That
0: developed into their first album.
1: Yeah, Murmur, Murmur. Uh, came out right when I was finishing high school. So about uh, 1983. Uh, it could have been 82 in that fall. I can't remember for sure. Uh, but uh, I had uh, given them some tapes of mine. And, and Michael was uh, really complimentary about it, sent me a postcard. And some of these girls, uh, this girl, Linda Hopper, who was a friend of Michael's in Athens, uh, wrote me postcards. And they hooked me up with Mitch Easter, who had produced them. And I was like a fan of all the DBs and all these people in kind of North Carolina as a teenager. You know, I was looking for people who were American who I related to their stuff. Cause really a lot of the stuff, I loved, you know, kind of in junior high and into high school was British. It was, you know, Elvis Costello and Nick Lowe and the Buzzcocks, XTC, you know, all these things. But I was curious about America. And really through uh, all those people, I I found out about uh, Alex Chilton. So, you know, Big Star became really big for me right before I got out of high school. So, I moved down to Athens. Uh, Mitch kind of recommended it. And uh, I just decided I'm going to go to college, <laughs> UGA in Athens. That was, you know, my excuse to go down there. And uh, yeah, went down and really, you know, kind of head first as a wide-eyed kid, sort of well, fly was on that the wall.
0: Based, was that based on just the fact that REM was based there or... Was there already a scene there there that you felt like you could be part
1: of? There was a scene, it was going, I didn't have any, you know, illusions I was going to really be part of it, Uh but more I knew it was a place where people made, uh, did original music and made records, independent records. And uh, it was just a place where, you know, I had this connection where some people had said, you know, come play at the 40 Watt Club, which I was not ready to do you know um but i got down there and just it was a kind of a magic time still and got to know you know people from the b-52s and uh love tractor pylon all these people from athens i was buying their records when i was in high school so uh they were you know they were like big stars to me you know and uh so i was around and kind of got to watch rems meteoric rise a little bit you know from down there and uh so i you know it's weird because i was really only there two years Mm. but it seemed like much longer
0: right yeah it was was jam-packed very formative
1: time for me right yeah and i got a deal with uh like sort of a development deal with columbia um in early 1985 So I moved there summer 83 and we moved to New York. uh, I was going to ask you about in May of 85 and they sort of gave me money to get an apartment and get some more home recording stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. an eight track instead of a four track or whatever, you know, and uh, I made, you know, ultimately made a, a record for Columbia. And then my guy, went to a and and I made a record for A&M. And then it, Girlfriend was like my second record for a and and Polygram bought them uh, during the time I was making it and my A&R guy left. And so it was sort of in flux at the time I finished Girlfriend and ultimately we sold the record to a uh, uh, place called Zoo Entertainment, which was a new... Sure independent label on bmg and uh they took it and you know it started to be successful so um, well
0: it could have just as easily have been lost in that shot yes
1: it really could have been and the, one of the things that helped a lot was the tape was going around a lot with young a people um getting just sort of passed around and a lot of them wanted to sign me to various labels, but their bosses sort of wouldn't let them, you know? So I kind of almost got there with lots of places and we ended up, you know, Zoo ended up paying some tiny pittance for the record. They ultimately had to pay uh, more uh, once it was successful. You Mm -hmm. know, they had a contract for that, but um, it was the one, you know, people really think of it as my first record girlfriend and uh you know it was with that album that i moved to los angeles and you know spent the next 20 years there
0: yeah and you were you managed uh, with the subsequent albums to have significant hits to keep things moving
1: there. yeah both girlfriend and 100 fun sold really well uh, altered beast sold pretty well too in between the two but it was a little
0: more these are, you can almost by the album notes, you can see, kind of see the Elvis, impr, you know, his <laughs> influence. I don't know if those were your choices, but. Uh, um, yeah. The attitude for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, um, and, you know, I was really enamored with uh, the old Hollywood and getting to sort of see the place where so much yeah. had happened with both music and film. And, uh, you know, I was really lucky, like Altered Beast, the first album I made out in L.A. Uh, my a producer was Richard Dashett, who had been with Fleetwood Mac through uh, Rumors and Tusk and uh, the, the White Album before Rumors. And uh, he really had been in L.A. forever and kind of showed me all the areas and was mm-hmm. real enthusiastic about it and so you know i was really lucky to have you know some great people to teach me about it you know yeah um i'm sort of a homebody i'm not super social so it's kind of amazing i made the friends i did and got to participate in the things i did out there
0: yeah um was it a common love of music that kind of made it possible to connection yeah, to have that I, kind of social i think
1: life. i think in in terms of film people a lot of actors and people want to are musicians a or, little bit or, or, or aspire yeah. to be musicians Yeah, the grass is greener and yeah, so was, uh yeah. you know um there's definitely a music connection i had a lot of fans of my records who were writers and uh actors you know so you know Susanna Hoffs I knew from sure. kind of before I went to LA through Fred Marr, uh, my co-producer on Girlfriend and um, she brought you know Mike Myers to a show I was doing well she's and married
0: to Jay, Ro- Jay that's right and Jay, Jay, Rook, at, so. Jay at
1: the time wasn't you know at now not, is a, a very accomplished director but he was oh, okay. teaching at ucla teaching film classes okay and mike sort of beat it on him and and wanted to get him to do the austin powers project with him it was funny because the producers of it had been students of jay's and they kind of worked really hard trying to stop Mike from getting Jay, <laughs> but Mike prevailed. And cause he'd had those big movies before, you know, with Wayne's world. Sure. And, uh, so, uh, we were hanging out a lot, Jay and Sue and myself and, and my wife, Lisa and Mike and his then wife, Robin, and he was just developing that script and that character. And so, uh, you know, we ended up sort of jamming with him over at his writing room and that out of that came the Ming Tea thing, um, Austin's band from Austin Powers. And so we were in uh the first movie. Uh I think they used the music, some of the uh scene bumper things we did in the second one, and then we were in the third movie again. I said so I got to see movies being made,
0: you know. Right. I think coincidentally uh Elvis and Bert Backrack were in the second one unless I'm I may be wrong. I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, I think yeah.
1: yeah, they kind of made an appearance as themselves. We were sort of like a fictional uh you right. know uh yeah, like Mike's the, fictional band, but you know, it developed over time. You know, one day we showed up one night we showed up over there and he answered the door and had the teeth you know and Mm -hmm. and it was like just he sort of slowly became the character
0: did you happen to during those years know mike viola um mike viola how do i know him well he's another he well i don't know if he's in la anymore but he was he was like an la songwriter guy he actually wrote music for walk hard and uh the tom hanks that thing we do or what is it called that thing you yeah. do
1: yeah yeah which was sort
0: uh, of a similar time and adam who uh
1: passed away from
0: coronavirus
1: adam schlesinger also oh, adam schlesinger. i think yes, he might have exactly. written that song that thing you do oh, wow. um yeah I, I thought that was maybe they worked together on it they might have it, it's quite possible yeah i don't. I probably met him i i'm not sure it's okay he was
0: also kind of a power pop guy and he had a deal with columbia i met him because his first album on columbia that was when i was working at sony um in the mid 90s to the mid aughts i it was just one of those things where he made some incredible albums also during that period and i don't know how he even did three or whatever because they just whenever whenever they would get somebody like super talented i just said they're they're I shouldn't say that because some of the great acts that they, uh, I mean, you could say Bob Dylan is in that top tier of artists that they pour all their marketing dollars behind. Yeah, but unfortunately, they were giving. They you get a tiny little ad for like a Michael Penn or a Mike Villar. Yeah, yeah, it's harder. Yeah, you just knew they weren't going to be there after an album or two because they're not going to sell enough units for yeah. a big company like Sony anymore
1: but I mean at least those companies had enough money they could do a few acts that were for you know their a A&R people's artistic reasons or whatever you know yeah. Yeah. Um, now I imagine that happens a lot less but right having the independent world we have is is wonderful not having to hear you know that they don't have the song or whatever is really nice you know Uh um so i don't i don't uh i I don't miss it really too much but it was a different time and you know they put money into things to make them happen
0: um i just had a couple of i want to respect your time Matthew, because we've been off for a while. I mean, I'm happy to talk until I'm blue in the face, or until you're blue in the face. But but I I also I look kind of
1: blue. This light is
0: very (laughs) odd. It's okay. I might be able to fix it too in the in post. Oh, go for it. (laughs) We'll see. I'll try to warm um, it up. Right. Um, Let me ask you one question. Um, uh, Controversial, controversial as he may be, Phil Spector. When I was listening to Cats Paw, which is, by the way, currently available for downloading and purchasing. I I like to have the package myself but um w- Phil Spector yeah any re, any re, what, what I, it, there's almost like a wall of sound that you you create
1: Well it's interesting you can see that with Cat I haven't heard anyone say that but I did uh make an album in 1999 called In Reverse. Sure. On that album, I really was thinking of sure. the, the Phil Spector approach. You know, Phil Spector's probably partly important to me because of his massive influence on Brian Wilson, who's, you know, a, a serious hero of mine. And uh, when we did uh, In Reverse, I was trying to do the Spectre thing where like, you know, three people playing piano and three people playing guitar and two drummers and upright bass and electric bass, you know, the whole album isn't that way, but several songs are. And, uh, and uh, that was really the time I most explored that um, the wall of sound thing. Yeah. Spectre. I mean, it's just, you know, he was a madman and obviously You know, in many ways, a terrible person. Well, but yes, I the would thing say he created a was killer. Yeah, yeah, the the thing he created was was pretty cool in that time, and right. uh, and I like those records, um, but you know, not like not the way I'm a fan of, of Brian.
0: You know, yeah, uh, I would say that that uh, did well. I would say that it's one of the two or three times where where when when he opened his mouth I one time I got to see him live like 20 years ago or something that you know I found myself crying because the the the, his voice went to the heart right to my you know like to the core of my like you know the his voice and his knowing his story his challenges yeah and his challenges his, his his mental illness his you know history of of abuse you know having an abusive uh father you know yeah pretty heartbreaking yeah and but all of that and just hearing him sing and the beauty that came out of it yeah yeah, i was lucky
1: enough to get to be around brian and his band quite a bit um and also got to know uh, van dyke parks who was you know real integral to his time yeah um van dyke played a bunch of keyboards on an album mine that i made in, in my home in los angeles and uh Brian I met uh do when I was doing a tribute concert at Radio City Music Hall around 2000-2001 and uh I had gone for almost eight years not flying I had terrible terrible fear of flying and uh they uh, got a letterman date offered where uh Darius Rucker who I was singing this song Brian's song Sail on Sailor for this tribute they invited he and I to go on Letterman and Brian was also going to come on and then we would do good vibrations with Brian and so they said you know will you get on a plane and go to New York we'll put you in first class with Brian Wilson and I was like this is great if it goes down I'll be like the big bopper or something. I'll be with, you know, forever attached to this incredible genius, you know? Right. And so uh, Brian, of course, doesn't like flying any more than I do. And so, uh, and I've gotten over it and flown a million times since that time, but that was my first. And uh, his daughters were there, his band were there, and they were all just really nice to me. They knew how uh, much anxiety I had and what a big deal it was for me to be doing it. And so they helped me a lot through that. There's a guy named Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Fosket who was sort of the Brian clone of the band who could sing just like young Brian and shadow him and oh, do things. Right. And he also became a good uh, friend of mine. So, you know, I got to go to dinner with the band and Brian a couple of times and, uh, I, you know, went out to his house once, uh, and when we were making in reverse, he was in the Pet Sounds room down the hall, uh, and you know came and listened because um, you know we were doing the Spectre thing. So um, <laughs> uh, you know it's uh, you know he he definitely is limited by his mental issues, uh, but uh, I got to see you know a little bit of that that real old Brian you know one time when we were doing rehearsals for the thing in New York um, everybody broke uh, to go out for lunch and I was in the rehearsal room and only Brian was there and he was at this keyboard and he was playing this thing as some incredible beautiful like piano thing and I was like Brian that's so beautiful what is that and he said I know it's Blueberry Hill (laughs) <laughs> he was playing like I would never have known like it was this the song Blueberry
0: Hill. <laughs> I guess Love and Mercy had already come out or something. Yeah, it it it, it had been out before, yeah. yeah. But I was uh I'm looking at my box of the Beach Boys, the pet sounds session. So I'm uh I might put it on after we're done. Car-
1: Carol k played some bass on you know, who played on pet sounds, uh played some bass on in reverse as well. Um so there's you know little connections that that's where my specterness gotcha. if there is any would come from right but, I, I but really well I didn't use specter techniques on cat's paw but it probably gives that wall of sound effect just cuz it some of its you know you know there's all, a lot all of guitar. rock you know yeah, yeah.
0: right yes and it, and because there aren't other instruments in a way the guitar feels like it, there's layers of it going on almost yeah right? yeah but um um there it is cat's paw it's currently available um did you have to learn by the way just just did you you already know or did you have to learn um good vibrations the parts did you have to learn it Uh, i didn't
1: really have to i don't even know if i played i may have held a guitar but uh honestly i don't remember i don't remember if i had to learn it or if i just sang yeah i know we did it (laughs) there you go you guys pulled it it was exciting you know to be there with brian i i had been i did a lot of letterman shows in the 90s so it wasn't like i'd never done it you know and yeah and a lot of conan you know after that uh but you know brian wilson it was like you know we were all in
0: awe sure um, and most of the I'm sure those those segments are probably on YouTube by the way um,
1: they probably are yeah. yeah uh
0: listen, I really could keep asking like about Richard Lloyd about your how you know just also how you learn guitar and bass and all these things but 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 um just to know there's there's endless questions <laughs> uh, so there could we'll just do a part two at some point at some that's point fine the, I'm happy to do that yeah and and i'm sure because eventually when you are doing shows again um i'm in a real great spot i'm like a very short distance from woodstock and from Brinebeck and you know hudson new york and it's this great area where arts flourish typically yeah typically no, I in know. new york and i really like being up here i left the city last year after my own dad passed away and i was just oh, sorry i had enough of just pandemicking and yeah uh, yeah in, in I bet city. it was a
1: tough time to be there yeah I just I, I, exposure I, risk um I love Woodstock I I have a lot of friends that live in in upstate New York and in Massachusetts uh yeah. Jules Shear, who was a great, yeah. great great friend of mine when I first wow. moved to New York um I remember he uh might have been the first time I ever went to Woodstock he took me up to uh Todd Rundgren's house he'd done a solo album that Todd produced and uh, we went to some I think it was like a birthday party either for Todd or one of his kids and we went up to Todd's house and uh, we could figure out the timing of it because he had just made uh, this new album that was uh, called acapella where all the instruments were his voice Mm -hmm. and we smoked uh, some weed with him and he sat, Jules and I, on the sofa and played the whole album, you know, on the speakers in front of the sofa. And we were so tripped out because it's like, we're, yeah. you know, at Todd's house and it's like this crazy music, you know. Um, and uh, so I have I have fond, fond memories of
0: Woodstock. It sounds like it. <laughs> I wonder if he's still up there with his I don't know. I yeah, no, no. I think a lot of, there are a lot of like musicians and filmmakers who. I, who've I think that Jules is
1: there. Uh-huh. um What I last heard, I'm not sure about Runger and if he stayed there or not. I'll mm-hmm. bet he might be there. Who knows? We could probably find out with a click of the Google.
0: <laughs> are, are you in fact googling him? No. Oh, okay good i'm just
1: i'm staying i'm keeping my focus on you thank you <laughs> um
0: i well i appreciate you doing that for the last hour that was it was far more time but it's always so it's my to...
1: pleasure and seriously we can let's do it again sometime yeah
0: yeah for just sure. keep
1: your questions and we'll get into all that
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> um yeah we can get into more maybe technique and stuff and songwriting and, and that kind of thing but thank you so much it was really kind of imagine having a better time
1: Oh, that's great. Same here. Yeah, really. and well, I, please be safe. I'm assuming you haven't gotten a
0: vaccine yet. Not yet, but it's in the books. It's. Um, I have a date. Uh, I was able to book a date, but I'm hoping that I, I'll even get an earlier one because they're dumping more and more uh open you know uh locations and slots, dates. yeah yeah every week slots every week so i'm hoping because right now it's at the end of may but at least NMA, i know i have yeah at least i have, yeah, I have
1: a friend in brooklyn and he got he okay. got early may and they're still like we wish it could be See, sooner yeah. but um wow the uh i couldn't believe how sick the vaccine made me and it was only my first dose and it's like the second dose that i hear horror stories about so i don't know (laughs) at least i'll know what you'll you'll be all right i I
0: mean you know it's unfortunate but i mean at least when you get to the other side of it there you'll have that knowing you'll know that no matter what yeah just i'm I'm
1: glad just to get it believe me
0: i was uh it was you know a big event to finally get a vaccine you know yes indeed i'm glad you got it at least the first one so far um yeah okay well thank you and all right uh, well, you I'll, take
1: care and be safe, and have fun doing shows. And we're all gonna hang in there. We are. What we else are. can we do?
0: That's right. And and you know, I, I wouldn't. You know, maybe in a different time, I wouldn't wouldn't be able to have this kind of thing where we could have such a deliberate kind of conversation because we're both around and we both kind of are. And you can the, see
1: each other on Zoom and, is a is a big deal, you know. Yeah,
0: and to be able to just put, you know, like to kind of. Think about. I don't know. Focus, yeah. having the focus for these kinds of conversations right I now. I hear you. You're not yeah. distracted by a thousand other things. Yeah, for um, sure.
1: Take care. Something good. That came out of it oh,
0: all. and I remember to thank your folks because they were very nice about it, and I know they felt bad postponing. But it's I. I sometimes takes months to schedule something.
1: Well, I'm it's sorry. I'm. I am sorry i i do not usually.
0: I don't usually ever reschedule stuff. But
1: it was just happenstance i got this right, old last week and then the, i thought the i was good for tuesday and then i got so sick monday i, I was
0: just like i'm not gonna be able to do it you know yeah no no so, uh, i was luckily I feel a you... lot better today good i'm glad so but just thank everybody for me and i I'll, will for uh, sure an
1: email but well adrian said you were a great guy so oh, thank you he thought you were
0: real nice about it you can't get take things too personally. <laughs> no, you'll never manage to. No,
1: do don't ever.
0: Yeah. All right, man. Thank you.
1: Okay. Take care. You have a good one. You too. Everybody wants you, but it's not a game you